Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode number 181. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by the lovely Bioshock shirt wearing Chris Raygun. Chris, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good. I actually got a Bioshock tattoo. Did on you? On my birthday. Oh, oh and happy birthday. Oh, yeah, so very I've been nice. wanting it for a long time, so I finally decided, you know what? Fuck it, you know, at this point. <laughs> very cool. Well, good for you. And happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy belated birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Well, welcome to the show. And Dustin Furman wearing his uh, Mario sweater. This is an old one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's nice. Yeah. Welcome. But uh, I'm doing well. It's actually, I was thinking, based on our calendar, it's uh, it's Christmas Eve for our listeners on Patreon. Oh, nice. So hopefully everyone's having a, a nice Christmas time with their, their family. Or maybe not. Maybe they're having a horrible time. And we're we're here for you. Yeah, I that's exactly right. <laughs> holidays can be a little rough. Yeah, you know? the holidays can also be grand, and we hope that you're having a good holiday indeed. But as promised, we didn't want to miss any episodes of Sacred Symbols, any episodes of Sacred Symbols Plus, Defining Duke, Defining Duke Ultimate Knockback. This is one of those episodes we're actually recording it. If you want to go back in time with us, if you care, we're recording it in between episodes seven one hundred and seventy nine and one hundred and eighty in real time. So by the time you're hearing this, this is not going to be a news. The next two episodes, this one and then the next one that's going to go live, 182 is the 2022 preview. These will be canned, as it were, and we won't be touching on the news. We'll then come back in the first week of January and do an, a regular episode of the show to kind of catch up and get back to where we need to be. And then the next week after that, the second week in January, game of the year, uh, our game of the year 2021 discussions, as always, mm-hmm. quite interesting. I think they'll be quite contentious this year, so. It'll be yeah. good, but um, you know. So if any news happen, I'm sorry. I, I I like I can't believe Nintendo they'd stop making games. Can you believe that? Pretty wild. We're not able to. We're not able to talk about it. So, 
All right. We went to Patreon. I let everyone know we were doing these episodes and we have a lot of cool feedback. I wanted to read a couple of nice things people wrote into us because it is that time of year. Will Selfridge wrote in and said, hey, CDC, while there are a ton of 2021 game memories that stand out, and of course, this episode is all about the 2021 moments of gaming, the most interesting moments in our PlayStation sphere and third party sphere. I'd just like to shout out the artist formerly known as CLS, a.k.a. LSM. So Collins last stand, the last day media. 2021 was a, fan, a fantastic year to be a patron for Last Stand and Sacred Symbols alike. From the down fly stories to the bidet debates, adding our boy Hogue as a semi-consistent legal correspondent, all the abandoned coverage and all the other chaos that I can't mention in a Patreon post. The podcast has come a long way from sacrificing babies and making Tuesdays great again. We still do both of those things too, but thank you. It's been an incredible ride and I can't wait to hear where Sacred Symbols goes in 2022. Keep doing what you're all doing. Peace and love. Thank you, Will. Appreciate you writing yeah. in. I actually wrote your name in the document as well, Selfridge. I don't know why I did that, but thank you, Will, for writing in. And Lee Doherty wrote in and said, Hi, Cruston. I have to say one of the biggest gaming-centric moments for me in 2021 was finding sacred symbols in Last Day Media. I've been listening to gaming podcasts for years, but being a dirty European, I couldn't really get into any American gaming podcast. I thought it was just a cultural thing. Most of the big US-based channels are overly positive and insincere. I need my podcast host jaded and pessimistic. After listening to a few Sacred Symbols podcasts, I was hooked. I feel more informed in general, and some of the Sacred Symbols Plus interviews have been fascinating. So thanks for all the hard work in 2021. Here's to more great content in 2022. Thank you, Lee, for writing in. I don't know that we're fully pessimistic. I think we're realistic. Yeah. Let's say that. That's not what we're the not... comments say. On yeah, well, some well, platforms, I'm... it's weird. Different platforms expect different things from us, but we're just going to be us. I don't know. Like, there's no changing. Yeah. I totally agree. And by the way, before we get into these moments, and again, I asked each of the guys to select, and I did myself five kind of stories or events or whatever from the past 12 months or so that stood out to us as being really meaningful and worth kind of recounting as we move into 2022, maybe some sort of reinforcement so we don't forget some of this stuff as we move forward. And some of these things are going to be unforgettable. But before I get into that, guys, I want to kick this one over to you from John O. He says, hello, Atlantic Coastal Men. What is your favorite Last Day Media meme this year, i.e. your favorite Lockmore video or favorite phrase or story that was ingrained in the Last Day Media lore? Personally, the simple stand down has been fun, but the Battle <laughs> of the Bastards Lockmore series was spectacular. Thanks, and please let the chicken breathe. Dustin, let's go to you first on this one. What's What's been your favorite piece of lore? We are a lore-heavy universe. Right. The Sacred Symbols and the Last Stand cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, what, what, stand, what stood out to you? I'm not going to say it's my favorite ever, but I mean, this year, this is my first year being on the show, so I feel like I've got to say the stand down. It's the first thing that I've been able to contribute of, of impact, and um, I'm very very honored to be able to to do that so it was it's funny colin i remember the sunday after the event we were outside at a fire at my place and we were discussing the origin of stand down and how it came from a moment where i was trying to quote the the donald trump stand down and stand by but i couldn't yeah. remember it in the moment so i just awkwardly <laughs> said stand down <laughs> and uh the rest was history so it i think that that's how these memes have to work is that they they can't be manufactured they just show up when they gotta day. just happen they gotta just right. like stumble in mm -hmm. on their own accord mm. chris what stands out to you anything in particular oh man i don't know stand down's probably like my favorite one but i do think i do think uh <laughs> <laughs> it's not a meme or anything but just the fact that we have keys to this to the city uh, at all like that the that's fact right. that that's like a real thing is really like i don't think the audience understand like fully comprehends how stupid that is yeah it's awesome it's great <laughs> now i'm gonna be honest with you i think i might have said this before i was a little offended i wasn't the only one that got one 
It's like well, we're not. we're all we're all equal. I'm the general. I'm the field general out here. Mm. You know, I'm the Eisenhower. I could arrange for Ben to give you a kiss or something next time. That'd be nice. Mm. A kiss of the city. Kiss of the kiss, city. Of, kiss from the city. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, by the way, my favorite story is just the kind of the closing the loop on the the poop um, oh. guy. You know, mm. finally, yes. figuring that uh, you know he's married or whatever, and closing that saga. Yeah, so we got to close that loop, that saga. It's uh, it's like one of those great Chinese sagas from Romance of the Three Kingdoms or something. It was mm. just this amazing story, and we're glad that we were able to close it out. But uh, we thank all of you for a really wonderful 2021, and we hope that the year treated you as well as could be expected, considering the situations out there with COVID and stupid politics and divisiveness and all that. We're not about that here. Rather, we're about video games and other chicanery, as we know. And let's get into the video games Dustin, you said you're the the newcomer on our show this year, and that's true. So let's kick it over to you first, and you can take them in any order you want. We each put five in here. We each documented them, and uh, I'm curious what you want to say first about 2021. Sure. So I'll go in. I ordered mine somewhat in what I felt like were the most exciting or relevant to me, but this one that I put for number five it's the least relevant to me, but it is one of the biggest things, no doubt. And in fact, it's one of the biggest reversals in gaming history. I put in the, the note here, it's a trap card. Mm. And that was when Microsoft pulled their trap card and put MLB The Show on Game Pass. And this was just incredibly surprising in that MLB The Show has never been on other platforms. This is a sony game made by one of their first party studios sony san diego and so to see it go multi-plat is already kind of a blow towards sony but then to have microsoft work out a deal with i'm assuming would be the mlb or or something whoever was handling that which i don't know if we ever got quite to the root of that to have them put it day and date on game pass was just uh it made sony look foolish at the end of the day now did it hurt the sales of the game on playstation that's much more debatable and probably not not the case in that it sold very well but it was selling games of the year yeah but it was still a a shocking pr move no doubt yeah i totally agree and rude days 93 wrote in and he agrees too or she says hello cdc crew recent news of sony's new subscription service project spartacus reminded me of one of the big l's sony took this last year and that was MLB the show launching in the Game Pass. It was one thing for the show to launch on Xbox, which remember, and I'm cutting in here, we found that that was going to happen years ago. You know, I was still in California when we found out that that was going to happen. But when when the likes of Madden, FIFA and NBA 2K don't appear in Game Pass until at least six months later, for Sony not to even give a discount to PS Plus subscribers while Game Pass subscribers receive discounts and also extra perks had to be one of the most embarrassing moments to happen to Sony in quite a while. I have to ask, do you see the scenario playing out again next year? I personally do see it playing out again next year. I don't know why it wouldn't remember that MLB is really the arbiter. Major League Baseball is really the arbiter here. And if Microsoft's willing to take those kinds of losses or maybe sustain those kinds of losses or lost revenue, that's fine. It's no, it's worth noting that when you look at NPD sales in the United States for MLB, the show, which is in the top five games sold, it only counts PS5 and PS4 sales. It doesn't count any Xbox sales. And it mm. says that explicitly because uh, I don't think they want to get mixed up with, well, did you play it on Game Pass? Or, so they're just trying to say like, no, yeah. we don't even count Xbox players at all in our numbers. And yet still, 
the game is one of the best selling games and as a console exclusive being counted as a console exclusive. Uh, so it goes both ways. Do I think it's going to happen next year? Yes. Do I think it's going to have the same resonance again? No. Was it startling to watch baseball and see MLB the show advertised on the backdrops with no mention of PlayStation whatsoever? Yes. Do I understand how that happened? Not really, but it did nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you for writing in. Chris, let's kick it over to you for your first one. Sure. I think I'm going to go in the order that I feel like telling them. And I think I think that the most interesting thing or one of the most interesting things to happen this year was the f- was when we found out actual concrete details about PSVR successor and the fact that we've kind of got confirmation that it wasn't something that they were going to abandon like they did the Vita because that was totally on the table. Like we had heard rumors about it potentially being worked on, but we didn't really get any confirmation until this year. We got to see the controller and we got to see that they're actually taking it pretty damn seriously haptic feedback like more like definitely way higher tech controllers and it's good it was just a good moment to know that that peripheral had a future especially because especially in the last few years where it's felt like every vr game that lands on the top 10 is like the same game like it's felt like that it's like oh beat saber gorn and god knows what else always the same games in the top 10 vr games sold so i remember thinking like they were they're just not gonna continue this if they're not putting it if they're not putting in any resources into bolstering this service now why would they continue and to know that they were doubling down on it that's pretty cool and to see the controller also just like looks gorgeous yeah i agree with you this was a a big surprise we'll see it next year more of it and it'll come out apparently next year as well Mm -hmm. and the patent suggested this was going to happen, and we know that they kind of bought in. It reminds me a little bit of Gaikai and just PlayStation Now and the slow evolution. They, they spend so much money on these things. I think it's hard for them to abandon them. And I think that they do see VR as this this promise. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of confused why it's not coming together a little quicker. Not not on PlayStation side, but just generally speaking. It, it We do feel like we are in a frustrating, stagnant place right now where I would have expected more out of VR at this point. But it's just it's just complicated. It's a, it's a complicated thing to get people to try to play, to develop for it's limited money to be made there. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate that as well. Dustin, what do you think yeah. about, uh, about this? I just have a little food for thought just mm-hmm. since we haven't talked about this in a while, the idea of PSVR two, but you have to imagine that Sony's has a lot to consider right now with this product, because when they started working on it, the VR landscape was very different. And in particular, one product has kind of changed everything. The the Quest 2, right? Yeah. You can you can get in on VR for $300 and it's pretty damn good. So Sony now needs to figure out how to market this headset, which we're assuming needs to be tethered to a PlayStation 5, another $500 purchase. Who knows how much the, the headset will be as well. But they really have to figure out what their angle is when you have the Quest 2 at $300 that's all in, right? So I'm wondering if that means Premiere software for it or just an absolute high-quality VR experience that they can demonstrate is much better than the Quest 2. There's a lot of things to consider uh, with this the new landscape with, with Meta, especially now that they're investing so heavily into vr yeah. it's, it's definitely different and especially now that they've gotten rid of like the main like one of the main problems that a lot of people have had with getting a quest 2 which is like the facebook link like the fact that yeah. they 
totally took that out, which is like a big reason why a lot of I knew a lot of people who were like, yeah, the Quest 2 looks awesome, but I don't want to have to start a Facebook account. I don't really like Facebook. And so the fact that they got rid of that definitely got that into a, a sizable number of homes. Like I, I don't think it's like millions or anything, but definitely right. there's, there's a decent percentage of people who are like suddenly all in uh, now that they knew that they weren't going to be tethered to this freak. <laughs> yeah. The, the Zuck. You the are Zuck. tethered to the Zuck. Did I, did I ever talk about the story about, on this show about you know you know that famous picture of, of mark zuckerberg on the was, jet ski or whatever yeah yeah, we <laughs> yeah. About that on the show? yeah okay <laughs> i that's sh- that's i think about that all the time oh yeah it's how fucking android like the entire thought process behind that story is people should yeah. read about it if, in case they don't remember what i'm talking about it is <laughs> it looks like a mime caught off guard that and he's like a, no one will pay attention to me if i if i do this all right thanks mark <laughs> send you to the fucking moon so i don't have to see you anymore <laughs> Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I'm going to start here. This was with an early year story anyway, but I was really pleased. And I think one of the big stories for me in 2021 was just the liberation of Star Wars from Electronic Arts after this really dark and dreary and boring period of development. Yeah. I can't imagine. Go back to like 2012 when Star Wars was purchased, right? By Disney and. And then fast forward now, almost 10 years we are, and I just can't imagine them looking at this experience as a whole and being of the mind that this worked out, not only with games, but with everything. Am yeah. I saying that they didn't, they made a lot of money? Of course they made a lot of money and won a lot of hearts and minds, sure. But the new trilogy to me, while serviceable, especially the first movie is really heartless. I think a lot of people have have like have kind of been revising backwards and wondering why are we into this Mary Sue like character that is kind of boring. They neuter Finn, who's really the most interesting character in Star Wars, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because it's not only happening in film, it's happening now in video games. And we went all this time with this monopolization of this IP when it really could have used some bangers, it instead got nothing except for Battlefront. And EA started delivering the goods a little late. 2019, they gave us Fallen Order. 2020, we got Squadrons. But it's too little too late. And seeing Ubisoft announce that they were going to do a Star Wars game, I was like, okay, great. I like Ubisoft. I don't think that the new Ubisoft, as we've discussed in recent times, is the Ubisoft that I, I want. But just seeing 
competitive products in that sphere again makes me happy as an old Star Wars fan, a, a really elapsed Star Wars fan. It's clear as day that there are so many cool ways to support this IP with games and you just have to break out the mold and EA is just not the right partner. And it's a shame because I think in some way EA has learned this lesson internally with the way that they're treating their own IP. I think that they realized that they were just too cavalier and I don't know what they were thinking, but you know, Disney really lost a lot of time and we lost basically a whole generation of games, if not a little more than that. And so seeing EA lose that and being open to others, even if it's Ubisoft, even if they're not making like a JRPG with Square Enix or something, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's going to be cool to see Star Wars again. And um, while EA will continue with Fallen Order and all of that, I'm really excited to see what others do too and see how Disney kind of salvages this universe from um, the sever. There's, there's like a schism, I feel like, in Star Wars fandom. I don't know if you agree with this, Dustin, Warren. Yeah. I feel like it's not even old and new fans. There just is a group of fans that can't accept the new Star Wars stuff and won't. And there's a f- group of fans that will and have. And I think there's a big difference between those two st- groups of Star Wars fans. And uh, I think that play, I don't think the, the dearth of gaming helped. Yeah. Well, this, I think, is even the case at Disney because they recently canceled the Ryan Johnson trilogy. And then the there's some X-Wing related project that also got canceled. And they were both cited due to creative differences. But <laughs> not to get into our entire Star Wars sequel trilogy thing here, but it's so clear that they had no idea what how to handle this IP on multiple levels, whether it's be film or gaming, as we're discussing now. And now they're kind of scrambling to try to pick up the pieces and put out the next nostalgia bait as fast as they can, particularly Book Book of Boba Fett, which I know that I'm just putting a crosshair right on my forehead right now by saying <laughs> that. But I, I am glad to see that the games we have had announced post-EA are ones that are obvious choices. In particular, the, the Knights of the Old Republic remake. That's That's the one that people have been screaming for a very long time and rightfully so that they want remade and so i just want colin you've said before that the star wars universe is so big right it's a it's a galaxy it's an entire galaxy far far away why are we only focusing on these 20 people over and over and over again let's <laughs> the go same somewhere dumb else story yeah. yeah no exactly it's like good versus evil the empire versus the rebellion and for some reason r2d2 isn't Every one of those scenes, you know, it's like, I'm like, why yeah. though? There's just, it's not, it is nonsensical. And I, I agree it, with what, when you see what? it, this is a red letter media pointed out perfectly. When you see it, you do the Leo meme where you, where you point at the screen. You go, oh, it's R2D2. I know R2D2. Yeah, right. I remember him. Happy. I remember I him from the, the 70s. I just love them. They're so good. So influential in me, actually. And like the way I really look at Star Wars and not to be, not to be, I'm not trying to be like facetious in any way. I really feel like those guys are so deep that the it's clear it's the facade it's iron it's iron, an ironic facade over this really thoughtful yeah commentary <laughs> but anyway Chris what do you think about the liberation of Star Wars from EA I think it's great and I I think the fact that we are starting to see things like Knights of the Old Republic is only just is is pretty much proof that <laughs> this whole deal was like a really bad idea to begin with we could have got like a really great Knights of the Old Republic game far sooner 
Or maybe it's like a kind of one of these silver lining things where it's like maybe it's a good thing because now technology is like super advanced and now we can get like a crazy good Knights of the Old Republic. So you could look at it in a number of ways, but the the last 10 years of Star Wars have not been <laughs> particularly good by any metric. I, I think uh, they I mean, people like the Mandalorian. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I, I've that never Obi-Wan been... show. Maybe people are kind of amped up about that Obi Wan. Yeah, show. it's it, Star Wars is weird because it's like it's so nostalgia oriented in a way that a lot of things aren't. It's like the, one of the most persistent stories in film and and like in entertainment. So seeing a new one, I always have to wonder, like, even if it's something like The Mandalorian, which isn't really nostalgic, is is it still? nostalgic just because it's star wars and it's you know what i mean like there's something nostalgic inherently about the universe of star wars it's not even about the characters really so i I wonder a lot how much of it actually stands on its own versus how much of it is carried by the weight of the importance that people have placed on it over the years but at the same time you know i think it's a obviously a rich ip it's successful for a reason and the fact that we didn't get Star Wars games really for the last like 10 years is a damn shame because some of my favorite games from the previous generations were Star Wars games. I really liked the force unleashed. I really liked, I used to play a Jedi Starfighter like all the time. And then there was like Jedi Yoda power stories. battles on PS one. <laughs> yeah. Yoda stories. Uh, what is it? Uh, Masters of Terrace Kasai. No, but it's, it's a really good IP and it's, it's just kind of a shame to see it squandered in, in every conceivable metric from like, the films that they clearly had no idea what they were doing and they had no plan and they just sort of threw things to different directors hoping that it would come together because it's too big to fail it's uh i think this is a universally positive thing it was a dumb idea to have that license locked between behind one publisher anyway especially a publisher by the way at the time that was pretty unanimously disliked i might add like that was back when ea was really not popping you know, it wasn't 2008, 2098 exactly where they were murdering everybody and tossing the head of pandemic into a volcano pit. But it, 2012 wasn't that far removed from that. And people still weren't really too keen on EA. Now it's a little different. Now EA, I feel like, is <laughs> the better. Look like an angel now. Yeah, they look like an angel in comparison to everybody else. <laughs> Maybe Ubisoft is next only because Ubisoft is in, kind of seemingly like innocently stumbling across the room drunk not knowing what the hell they're approving who who is who is sexually harassing the fewest people (laughs) yeah that's that's the new metric (laughs) oh my lord that's sad that is bleak yeah it really is but i don't know we'll see how this all plays out but i want to i want to grow uh throw it back to you dustin for your second selection sure my next one is that In 2021, we saw Sony fully commit to releasing their games on PC, on Steam, Epic Game Store, whatever. They seem like this is something that they're very much committed to. They have the headline on Steam now, PlayStation PC. We have confirmed dates. Well, we have a confirmed date for God of War, but also Uncharted coming to PC. And of course, the NVIDIA leak, we got a whole slew of PlayStation games that will eventually come to PC at one point or another. And this is something that I I feel like the three of us have been championing this whole time just because we want to see the IPs that we like do well and and make more money in order to hopefully see more of them. And 
as uh, as I said many episodes ago, this is uh, their way of milking the orange or squeezing the orange of just getting a little more revenue out of these games and also just opening them up to an entire new audience. And while Horizon Zero Dawn last or yeah, I guess it was last year that 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 was their first title had a bit of a mixed reception due to it not necessarily being uh, bug free at launch. It definitely turned around and ended up being a huge seller. And I just, uh, I, I like more people being able to play more games. It's nice. I concur. Also, some interesting investments, right? Nixes. Right. With ports, they acquire a team in Nixes that will help facilitate this pipeline and allow them to more easily fit, I think, from a technological point of view, these games into a pipeline to allow them to come to PC without having to hire outside firms to do so. I think that that's a huge sign. Yeah, they're all in. I mean, the the way that Jim Ryan and others, but specifically Jim Ryan, has been talking very carefully about their selection of games and how they will come out and blah, 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 blah. We expect that the, the torrents will begin in 2022, I believe. And also, I do think that the investment, although, although small, uh, less than 5%, I think, into Epic, isn't insignificant could this be over unreal and nanite and all that definitely but i think there's a uh a, and of course Fortnite and everything but of course there's a component with the epic game store and just having a new possible frontier of game sales that might grow over time so i think sony knows what time it is what, what i'll be really interested here and i'll throw it over to you chris is for your comments on this but i really want to see a, a reality in which there is some sort of literal pc ecosystem crossover between playstation and pc the way that there is with xbox and pc and i wonder if that will come through epic and it would be really neat to see some sort of epic like launcher that could bring maybe bridge some of these games with cloud gaming or something allowing you to play them on playstation with the mouse and keyboard support that's kind of being integrated more and more i think there's there's quite a bit of potential here i i I don't want to overstate it but i don't want to understate it either i don't think there's nothing going on here i think there's some sort of deliberate approach that might also tie into the the Spartacus rumor. So anyway, what do you think about Sony's approach to PC the last 12 months? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's been great to see these titles kind of finally reaching more people. I, I actually just recently, just out of sheer curiosity, downloaded um, Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. I haven't started it up yet, but I was just like, I was curious to see, like, maybe I'll maybe I'll like it more on, on PC because like, I don't know, something about the PS4 version. I just didn't something about it. I don't know what it was. But I haven't started up yet, but I'm excited to. And it's really cool that I can just choose to play that on my PC and uh, that I don't I don't necessarily need this console, uh, although I'm glad I have it. It's it's kind of this great thing that I've been enjoying about the Xbox ecosystem for quite some time. The fact that I can just go back and forth and it's super convenient. It's super nice. And my, you know, I, I do hope that there is some infrastructure to kind of like carry progress and, you know, allow kind of this intermingling have to happen between especially for multiplayer titles i think that would be a massive like that'd be like a really huge deal if you could get something like this is pie in the sky but last of us factions to kind of include people on pc because kind of why not you know it's a multiplayer experience it only benefits you to have that experience in in more people's hands and i don't know if i'm sold on the idea of like a separate launcher there's already like people on pc like they hate other launchers it, it's kind of funny because like over in the console ecosystem it's like i have to spend 500 dollars to play this game and then on the pc you say i gotta download a free thing for a minute <laughs> it, it is kind of funny but like i i kind of get it like it is kind of annoying to have all sure. these like 
disparate libraries, none of which you can see because none of them are physical and you have to like open up. It's like, oh, do I have that on? Oh, do I have that on Origin or do I have that on uh, Uplay? Like what the like, what do I have that on? And then you got to it's a mess and it, it, it does get irritating. And Epic isn't exactly loved on the PC front. It's not a great launcher really i i get free shit on there and i even don't check it really all that often because it's kind of a, a tedious thing but hopefully like if they can get that marriage happening if they can get like playstation and pc communicating through epic i think that would be a good reason but another a good reason for people to jump into the launcher but at the same time i do think maybe you're better off with games like horizon god of war on steam and kind of pursuing that i i know they have investments in epic but I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> Dustin, do you use the Epic launcher? Maybe I'm mean or something. I but... have not used it very much this entire year now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. I've gone on there to redeem a few free games, but it yeah. does, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really bother me which where I have to go to to get a game. But it, it doesn't bother you. But yeah. you still don't really go, do you? No, well, if it's there's kind of, an that's option, what I'm talking about. if there's an option between Epic and Steam, I'm going to go Steam every every time, right. uh, unless the game is free on on Epic or whatever, but or exclusive, then that's I'm I'm not going to switch over. So yeah, I guess it is annoying. It is like a subconscious. Some people, it's a very active, annoying to have to go yeah, somewhere yeah. else. But but this is, I, yeah. I think, the right step just to get. I think it's the right approach too. I think I think it's very wise to kind of have these games kind of percolating on PlayStation and 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 get as much value out of them as possible from uh, the existing player base and the existing you know console owner space. And then once that has reached its apex, just put it on a new platform and it gets people excited for the new thing, which is now a lot closer than it would have been had it launched on like day and date. I think it's a very smart strategy for Sony going into PC moving forward, especially because I think it keeps the identity of these games as PlayStation games. You know, like we don't think of even today when I play Metal Gear Solid, the, the originals on my Xbox, because it has backwards compatibility and it's like a little bit upraised or whatever. I still feel like I'm playing a PlayStation game. You know, Metal Gear Solid is ostensibly PlayStation to me. Crash Bandicoot is PlayStation to me. doesn't matter that it's on multiple platforms. And, you know, I think this cadence of kind of like launch, wait, launch again, kind of keeps that intact in a way that maybe it wouldn't be if it was day and date. And maybe some people would have reasons to be afraid. I don't necessarily agree with that, but like some people feel that way. And... I think uh, I think it's a solid strategy, and I'm, I'm happy that it's finally happening. I think it's a bit late, personally. Like I, I wish this had happened sooner, with uh, specifically for like games like Bloodborne, which I think really deserve <sighs> to be on PC. Like I, I I I didn't even like love love Bloodborne, but that feels like a PC game that's just sort of stranded, <laughs> like on on PlayStation. Well, well, it's also that Dark Souls has gained a huge following on PC. Yeah, right? so no, for sure. Feels, yeah, it feels foreign. It feels strange it, that it's the I, only I one that's not there. You know, I believe that it. It's coming. But yes, all well said. And I want to just throw out there, I would prefer Steam to do that too. I just don't know if Sony would prefer that too. I would I yeah, mean, yeah, Steam yeah. launcher on PlayStation would fucking be awesome. All right, <laughs> Chris, let's keep it with you. What's uh, next on your list? Okay, so I have to uh, make a special, I want to add this to it, but I want okay. to talk about 
the GTA trilogy clusterfuck that ha- that occurred with this remastered trilogy, specifically in the context of a February 9th or something that happened in, in early February where Take-Two's CEO, Strauss Selnick, said, studios should always wait for perfection if possible, likely referring to Cyberpunk 2077 as it was being pulled from the store. And sometimes these things happen, right? Where, like, it would be one thing if Rockstar just fucked up these ports, like, irreparably horribly. But the fact that there's that little golden nugget of you can go back and, like, watch somebody just sort of like fall right like step right on the rake you know that makes it a little bit more amusing to me uh but i i cannot i i struggle to think of something i struggle to think of a game that i saw trending on twitter more for just the worst reasons than gta trilogy and i think that might that's possible recency bias i don't really remember a lot of stuff from earlier on in the year Fair enough. But the shit I saw coming out of these remasters all over the internet were some of the most wild things I've ever seen. People looking like Gumby characters, just like misspelled signs everywhere, just rain rendering under the ocean. Just shit that I I, I just straight up have never, I have never seen that ever, ever in my life. And I've played some pretty broken games, you know? I just don't even know how you do that. So just that whole that whole saga was just a fascinating thing to watch. And the fact that, and by the way, the fact that it was so bad that they're putting those games, the old versions of those games, back up apparently. That is how you know this is a colossal fuck up. Yeah, and also I think it illustrate why they wanted those copies off the store to begin with because... right. Maybe this idea of, oh, we're going to you're gonna double dip and you're going to not realize you bought that. I don't think that that would really be a huge problem. Maybe it would be, but we just didn't know the condition of this. But I think the biggest surprise is just this long standing relationship that Rockstar and Take-Two have with the studio that did these ports. They, they're clearly liked and they do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. for them. So I, I wonder what went wrong here. I don't know what the rush was except for to get this out for the holidays. But I think these games are so ubiquitous and unfortunately something i think jeffrey leonard says to us here on patreon is true it's about the opportunity cost because he says salutations this year was chock full of disappointing releases however i don't think i was as disappointed with the release this year as i was with the grand theft auto trilogy definitive edition i grew up on that trilogy gta3 being one of the most influential titles of my childhood the trilogy re-release was such a disappointment with the lack of care that was involved with ushering in an entire new generation of gamers to appreciate what i experienced 20 years ago I've always wanted younger gamers to have an opportunity to experience the revolutionary nature of GTA 3, the soundtrack of Vice City, and the open world incredulity of San Andreas. First impressions are everything, and I fear a younger generation may have soured on one of the greatest collections ever made, a true miscarriage of gaming history. I totally agree, and that's why I'm a little embarrassed that I jumped the gun on the show when we just knew it was coming out, and I was encouraging people, just, you have to play these games. They're so important, and... That's true, but it sucks that there are some people going in thinking that these products, because they, they're going in expecting a certain level of jank, a certain level of bad textures and and questionable tech and all that. I mean, these games are old. Yeah. I think everyone understands that, but they don't they didn't look like that. You know, <laughs> they didn't look like that. They didn't necessarily even play or sound like that. And it is it sucks. It is a miscarriage of justice because there's definitely a pool of people that have been poisoned by these releases 
not in that they like them or don't. They might like them great because they, they might not know any better, too. And so they might like them just the way they are. But just in that they're not getting them in their true historical uh, context, let's say. And so I think that that sucks. And um, I totally agree with you, Chris. I think it's a just fucking asinine. Dustin, yeah. what did you make of the GTA trilogy? Well, sitch? It's funny you're bringing up how there's a, a new generation playing it. I never think about these things. I was watching a video recently where someone was saying that Halo 4 is nostalgic to a lot of the kids that grew up playing it. I thought, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I, that makes sense now. That game was, what, how many years ago, Chris, was Halo it's about to be. It's about to be 10. Yeah. So there's a lot of kids that were 12 years old and are now 22 that played Halo 4. So that's the same thing with this trilogy, that you're right in that a lot of people's first exposure may have been this trilogy. And I think the the thing that really makes it feel unexcusable is that it's Rockstar, the yeah. company that has more money than, than they probably know what to do with at this point from the likes of GTA Online and, and stuff like that. And the the thing that's so frustrating is that they knew it was bad. And that's what the case is with all of these games. And one of them is one of my picks we'll come back to. So I'll save some of it. But they know the, the state of the release. They don't. And it's always funny when you see these letters that come out. Like there was one from Rockstar recently about how, oh, we weren't we're not pleased with the state of the game. We're sorry. It's like you fucking knew and you released it anyway because the like Colin said, the opportunity cost of releasing it now and getting the bag and then dealing with the consequences later is more important. And yeah, it's frustrating, but that just seems to be how more and more companies are operating now. It is extra frustrating, especially from Rockstar. And I, I, I think Colin, I don't think anybody would blame you for like being like, yeah, you should definitely play these games because Rockstar typically doesn't miss ever even the games that i think like aren't like i didn't love the original red dead redemption when i when it first came out but i would never say like that's a terrible game you know what i mean it was just like oh, i'm not into this right now for whatever reason and red dead redemption 2 is one of those games that people have like opinions on it's like oh it's game design is a little outdated yeah but it's like an incredible game like it's one of the most incredible narratives i've ever played through in a video game so like this is a studio that has the chops to deliver something really really great pretty consistently and the fact that this is the fact that they were handling a trilogy of their most important i would argue their most sacred uh, mm. games you had no reason to believe that it would be this fucked up because this is the most broken game that i've ever seen like just straight up just I, I cannot stress this stress this enough. I have never seen rain render under the ocean. <laughs> I, I cannot stress that enough. I really can't. The fact that Rockstar's, a studio associated with Rockstar made a mistake like that is, is just truly, truly insane. And uh, it's disappointing. But I don't think anybody would blame you for the reverse. That. What was the game with the reverse draw distance? Oh, uh, <laughs> Ballad Wonder. Oh, Ballad Wonder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It, it, I and I don't want to step on your toes because you're going to talk. We're going to talk about other companies later. As yeah, Dustin noted, but it's weird that companies just can't. How? Why is it so hard to sustain quality? Why is it so hard to sustain when you have all of that money 
and all of those resources and infinite time, which is the greatest currency in gaming. Why wouldn't you just do it exactly right? And I would argue that when we saw that the definitive edition was coming, I was excited because in some sense, I believed that those games should remain as they were. They just needed to update the controls. And that's what I think that they've planned on doing. But in reality, we really needed to have expected more. I think it would be have have been realistic to have expected full remakes of these games at this point. And yeah, that they care so little about their history that they don't do that, which is fine, but that they don't treat these these re-releases that are going to exist forever. They're the definitive edition. They're available on PS4 and PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, meaning and PC, obviously. So these are the these are the baseline versions. And I I think they quietly on went went on gold, as we were saying on the last episode of or two episodes of Sacred Symbols ago, because they they're printing new discs. Because I think that they realize that they they can't release the game as it was gold the first time. It's not going to work. And there's a lot of people that are also going to buy them and never, never connect them to the Internet. And that's going to be a problem, too. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know why. Like when you don't do things the right way deliberately from beginning to end. It's going to create some sort of problem and more work at, at the end of the day, and you, you're never going to get that goodwill back. You're going to lose sales forever from certain people. And I don't know. I just don't understand the lack of deliberateness. I understand the urgency for a company whose everything's riding on this product that gets getting out. Right. We'll fix it later. Not right. That's not good, but but that's not this. (laughs) So I don't know, man. The Angie's list, you know, and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's list is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. Next one for me is uh, in February, the the reemergence of Six Days in Fallujah. Now, we remember this game from famously from 2009. It was going to get published by Konami. It was announced, I think, in 2008 to come out in 2009 from Konami. Developer called Atomic was making it. And it was about the second battle of Fallujah in Iraq in 2004. And it's a um, it's a really interesting story that it just came back at all. I, I, I didn't expect that 
And what's been fascinating about it is not the game, which has been delayed now to 2022, which I'm ho- I'm hopeful for. I have this feeling that it's going to be good. And and I, I hope that it is. I, I don't know for sure. Obviously, none of us can know for sure. But what's been fascinating for me as a social commentator and a politically minded person is that this game and the reemergence of this game has exposed how much the pendulum has swung in the other direction, not only in gaming and entertainment, but really in in Western culture as a whole. The very people going after this game now were the ones that would have decried its censorship 10 years ago. And the very people that would have censored it 20 years ago are the very people trying to get this game to market today. It just goes to show you that fluidity of principle is never or very rarely is it based on anything more than power and winning and all of the rest. Mm-hmm. The people that are going after Six Days in Fallujah sound like Jack Thompson and that there's just no doubt about it. The whole anti-Muslim nonsense that I'm sure doesn't exist in the game. The idea that we can't tell stories in a live war, which is the absurd argument that was brought up the first time the game came out and all of the rest. I'm really pleased that this game was revived and I will fully support more developers making more games as contentious and as brave, I think, as this game might be. And it's not to say that horrible things didn't happen there. It's just to say that there are many stories that occurred there. And I was really sad and I wrote a lot at IGN. You can go Google it about this game when it was canceled. And I really took people to task. And then I don't think we ever expected it was going to come back. Remember, when the game went away, it was more of a and these games aren't very big on console anymore, but you'll remember in the PS2 and into the early PS3 era, the kind of tactical combat game was kind of big, like like Operation Desert Storm type games and all that. And <laughs> yeah. this, this was one of those games. And then now it's coming back as like a first person shooter. So hopefully something more slick from a studio called Highwire. Victora is the company that is publishing it. So I wanted to just give a shout out to that because I think it's it's important in times like these to be Regardless of what you're saying, by the way, it's important in times like these to be brave and just say it. If it's an artistic point of view, there's nothing wrong with putting a piece of art out that's contentious or unpopular or even in bad taste. And I think this is one of those games that is going to help us hopefully push through this era of stymied creation. Dustin, what do you think? I think that I it's okay to be offended by something. And sometimes I see something that I find, we'll say, offensive to my morals or whatever. But then I just move on, right? And I think the big issue that we called out when it comes to this game is that it's okay if you don't like it, but to call for the censorship of it is a completely different thing, right? And yeah. I, I think one of the important points that we we made in reference to this game this year is that we would encourage video games from the other viewpoint of of this conflict. We want to see all the different angles and perspectives. We want to see all kinds of artistic statements from different political viewpoints. That's cool. That's good, because when people are exposed to different thoughts and ideas, then it helps everyone whittle down what they believe themselves. And maybe if you see something you don't agree with, it might just change your mind sometimes. 
And God forbid that happen, right? That we come away from something with a different understanding. So mm-hmm. I don't really know where I'm going with this other than uh, censoring games regardless is is not the answer for this situation. Chris, you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys have said it pretty succinctly. I, I think I just don't understand why people um, have a need to pose their preferences on everybody around them like it's just a very strange desire that i just i can't relate to i can't empathize with i I just don't get it even if this thing is the most offensive thing in the world it's a video game you know at the end of the day like what is it really i I don't like it's it's so strange like there's so many movies that i refuse to see (laughs) you know like not even because like that new ghostbusters movie to me it's just like oh my god more of this like and i i just (laughs) And I remember back when everybody was like talking about the Ghostbusters 2016, like all female reboot thing. Right. And I was like, this looks like cashing in on like an old IP for the sake of fucking nostalgia. And, and it just looks like garbage. And everybody was like, oh, so you're a sexist person. I was like, wait, no, it just looks terrible. And I think the same thing about this new one, by the way, it looks like it, Ghostbusters is lightning in a bottle. You know, Ghostbusters 2 with the original cast wasn't great either. So like, why? Like, what the fuck? Like that was something that clearly worked the first time for a very specific reason and will not work again. So, yeah, I'm not interested in the new one. I wasn't interested in the last one and it wasn't racism or sexism or anything. It was just my personal taste of just like, I don't think this is worth seeing. And I feel like the second people can just believe people when they tell them the reasons why they're opposed to certain things, you know, just people have no reason to lie, really, when it comes to this thing when it comes to these types of things. And I feel like just imposing your will on other people just doesn't work. Like I wouldn't say like, don't, Hey, uh, this movie should be banned or whatever. I just won't see it. And if you don't want to play six days in Fallujah, no one's making you play it. It's really that simple. I had that opinion the last time this game was canceled too. It's frustrating. It's cool. By the way, that this game came back because that rarely happens ever. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, First of all, you're a fascist. Second of all, I feel like there's there it has to be some level of understanding that not everything's for everyone. And it does go back to that kind of trite cliche, like let people enjoy things sort of thing. I don't want to be that guy, but because I think things should be criticized. But the very existence of a controversial piece of literature or, or video game or whatever, it's meaningless other than that. It's just an expression. Yeah, that's it. It's not. It's not real. It's not real unless you make it real. And it's not real unless it's it was already real for the people that experience it. If it's a piece of, for instance, somewhat nonfiction, like right. Six Days in Fallujah is. It's just nonetheless, when I read a book about oh, I'm 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 paging through uh, the Hideo Kojima creative gene. Is it good? Right now. I kinda want that. It's it's interesting. It's it's not really what I thought it was gonna be. I wanted mm-hmm. to just buy it to support him. But it's like a lot of like little essays and just no you know notations and stuff about his his creative process and the things that he's he's into but it's like this is this is a man who has seen everything who really has like read a bunch and delved into the into the absolute fucking minutia of creativity and that's the stuff man mm-hmm. yeah so I say we let these people bring us where they want to, but Dustin, what's, is it time to go to you with it again? I think it is. Yes. 
hit us with your next one. So my next one is Cyberpunk 2077 is removed from the PlayStation Network. And really, we can just kind of cover Cyberpunk as a whole in that I guess some of it was late 2020 as well. But a lot of the major fallout happened this year. And this was um, the big one. But I guess... It was right before. Now that I'm looking, it was actually December 17th, 2020 that it got removed, but it was most spent most of wouldn't be most of the year, but many months this year off the store and finally returned earlier this year. And this was just I, I don't think it was the first game to ever get removed from the PlayStation store. I'm sure there's tons of games that ended up getting removed, but to see a return to the store with, I don't think so, by the way. What's that? I don't think there's tons, I don't think there's tons of games that have been removed. Really? No, I'm just thinking like definitely. small indie games that people that either had issues. I or, can think of yeah. I think I think of a couple. Yeah, I'm sure there might be a list, but there's not many. I think that it might be like you can count on a couple hands, maybe. Right. Yeah. So the fact that this game even did return this year was very surprising to me because when it did return, it included a disclaimer that basically <laughs> that it sucks on this console and you should probably consider that before you purchase it. I just, uh, and to see CD project kind of, I don't feel like this was the redemption story that people were hoping for. Yeah. And it wasn't even comparable to like no man's sky or something like that, where we saw them go dark for a little bit, but then when they started releasing updates it was noticeable improvements noticeable updates to the game throughout the year we've seen bug fixes and i think there's been four major patches right and then like a bunch of hot fixes right like i think right so i think they're on version 1.4 or something yeah. right but to see this game also as part of the story is that this game throughout the course of the year went down to ten dollars at yeah. one point which when you look at a game, their their previous game, Witcher 3, I think it was quite a while before it hit those kinds of lows. In fact, probably not until the last few years. But we'll see. This entire year, we have not seen the next-gen update of the game. It's supposed to come quarter one next year. And I just don't even know if when it comes out, it's going to matter at this point. I don't think this game has the redemption story that people were hoping even if it's great i think that it's too little too late they've uh they've poisoned the well completely uh with their their response this year which i understand these things can't happen overnight you can't fix the game overnight but it's just look at right now we don't have a a release date still for for the next gen update it's uh it's a window yeah. So who knows if it's even happening then? Well, yeah, I, I one thing I will say, though, I mean, it, this happened kind of recently is that the Steam reviews for that game are sitting at, I think, at this point, as, as we record this now, is it mostly positive or, or, or uh, positive? I, I can't remember specifically like the, uh, the exact terminology, but somewhere on PC, people are coming around on this thing, uh, especially right. because this is a game that's like very easy to hate you know it's like it's, it's like a mess it had like one of the most fucked launches in, in the history of games i think and you know 
that alone kind of makes it impressive to me that it's even sitting at remotely positive, you know, because like you, we've seen dislike brigades and like certain games getting like 0. 0.4 out of out of 10. And it's like, it's not that bad. It sucks. But I mean, it's like maybe like a five, you know, if you were give, putting it on a number scale, but people right. like throw like 0.1s on it. So the fact that this thing is, is sitting at mostly positive on Steam is, is interesting to me. Not necessarily because I do feel like it's going to have that redemption arc. I, I don't necessarily think it will. I just think it's sitting in this weird spot where people had such a wildly different experience with it on launch that for the people that it's that it was ruined for, I don't think they're ever going to come back, really. I don't think it's going to ever make a positive impact on them. I think they've made their minds up. I think they, they think like this is a mess. But then the people like me who who had a really kind of positive experience with it. I had like, I think it crashed like twice for me, which is like, that sucks. But I mean, it's nowhere near the problems that everybody else was having. I just had a great experience with it and I finished it and it ended up being one of my favorite games that year, genuinely. So it's just a weird situation where this can't even be a no man's sky situation. This right. can't even have that redemption arc because the player base is already fractured in their experience because it was such an inconsistent game. And I don't know if you can have a redemption arc for something like that. It's it's so strange because No Man's Sky was horrible for everyone <laughs> when yeah. it came out. It was a mess. It was crashing like every two minutes. It was bare bones. It was it had none of the they lied about what was in it. Like they say, oh, there's multiplayer, by the way. Just kidding. And. They turned it around somehow, and I don't necessarily think cyberpunk is beyond that. I just think the nature of how inconsistent it was at launch is is a situation that we haven't experienced before really i don't think we've had a game like this ever so it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes up when this next gen version launches and seeing the reviews it gets but i don't know it's a very fascinating story this game i don't think that there can be a redemption story for a game that has sold 14 million copies already First of all, yeah. I think that's that's one of the major problems is that, yeah, this just I'm just going to reiterate what I say over and over again. You can take take it or leave it. Stop pre-ordering games. I don't know what else to say. If you want to pre-order a game so that you get it and you preload it, buy do buy in the few days before it comes out. That's what I do, because at the very least, you have some inclination. At that point, that something might be wrong and that might not have saved you with cyberpunk, but it just goes to show you that giving money to companies sight unseen is a very hazardous thing. These guys made $600 million off of digital sales before the end of 2020. There is no lesson to be learned for them. They've made all of their money back. Yeah. They've made tons of profit and they put out the game that they did. I was reading an article saying 56% of the users are on PC with about 14 million sold. and. It just goes to show you the pincer that players put themselves in when they start just giving money to companies that seem to have earned their goodwill. And no company, no company arced and then squandered their goodwill like CD Projekt did. Yeah. They had one game yeah. where they had all the goodwill in the world, a one game run. And I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with this one, but the money makes it such that there is no lesson to be learned. And the only thing people can do is to hold them to account the next time they release a game. Remember that. And this is what oh, Andrew, yeah, sure. Singo wrote, Andrew Singo wrote. And he says, 
Hello, fellas. Technically, this is a continuation of a 2020 topic, but how about being through another calendar year and CDPR still haven't truly fixed 2077 or put out the next gen version? We don't know. We don't wish for developers to fail, but they've had an entire year to fix this game and haven't truly done it yet. You know, they're going to drop an ultimate next gen edition that's $70 with DLC bundled in and people are going to buy it. I feel like this is a real Dennis Green moment. They were who they, they were and we let them off the hook. Colin, we'll get that one. What do you say, boys? That is that is a, a Dennis Green quote, the coach, the NFL coach, coach. They were who they were. I'm going to try to do my best. They were who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. It's, yeah, I think that's, that's going to that's gonna be pretty good. I think, well, you guys let me know if I, if I did it all right <laughs> over there. Great moment in, I think, Arizona Cardinals history. So I don't think that moment is going to happen because if they do something that audacious, I think they understand that they risk. People are kind of looking the other way now, right? I think they risk relitigating this again the witcher is big on netflix i know because my you know mike and my girlfriend is reads that that guy's books the witcher guy's books i mean he has his new series translated in english now there's like all that stuff happening the game is coming out q2 to ps5 natively and i think that's going to be a really big release and people are going to forget and i just think the only way they remember is if something heinous like that happens if if CD Projekt is smart, they make that DLC as cheap as possible, if not just free. Yeah. And uh, even if it's full $20 each DLC packs as intended, you guys got away with murder, basically. And the only reason you survived, because we were talking about No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky maybe sold a couple million copies the first year. Yeah. So there's there was no real urgency there because people were just like, oh, this game we were excited about sucked, but it wasn't cyberpunk. We'll see what happens, but uh, I do consider that Dustin A twenty twenty one story because it did return, and right. as I understand from my sources, the reason that the game was removed was because specifically because CD Projekt said that Sony would refund the money. Yeah, for the games, that is specifically the reason. It wasn't even the quality necessarily that they were upset about. It was the fact that they put them in. They like, as the saying goes, they put them in a position. Right. Yeah, you know? and Sony didn't take to that kindly and i also think this is a weird reference but with the vgas where the vgas will have already passed by the time we talk uh this goes live but we're in the shadow of them right now as we're recording and there's this conversation going on about um the inclusion of activision and uh like you know making a statement by not including them and all that kind of stuff like similar statements can be made and should be made when people are just kind of wholesale taken for a ride and yeah i agree with what chris was saying that cyberpunk was never working on ps4 they never had it working on ps4 they knew it wasn't going to work on ps4 everyone that liked the game liked it on pc and if they just released the game there on pc and said like listen we are over our skis with this this game on console it's got to wait for the new consoles and even then we don't know when we're going to be ready i think people would have been really disappointed and there would have been a lot of conjecture about what the hell, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what we can get this game running on this and this, and this, but it would have been better than this. And I just think that we have to stay with it. If you want CD project to get the message, just like you want Activision to get the message by not including them in VGAs and not rewarding their games or whatever, even if innocent people are affected, just as many innocent people are affected in the development of this game then I think you have to remember when The Witcher 3 complete comes out. I think you have to remember when Netflix is asking you to watch The Witcher TV show, which 
I know it's based on the books, but it's heavily, you know, intertwined with the games as well. Mm-hmm. This all eats into each other. And basically the games are, the books are not the nexus, are not the, at the nexus of it all. The games are. Yeah. And we all know that. 100%. So it's very similar to the to Game of Thrones. Say what you will, but the center of gravity with Game of Thrones is not the fire and ice books. It's Game of Thrones. Right. You know, like yeah. that's the center of gravity. Uh, so Colin, I want to anyway. just add real quick too, just to, as a reminder in while keeping this in context is that they released the game and it was bad and they should be held to that. But don't forget, they also tried to hide it from everybody right. yep. when they the sent out the reviews for, for PC only and didn't send out console codes at all because they knew that those were the bad ones. They were deliberately hiding it from people and it worked out for them. Like you said, they still sold a shit ton of copies. So, Mm-hmm. And you can't even blame that on like a, a publisher, you know, because it's just them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they publish it themselves. It's that's just, true. And in fact, it's just them. In fact, that's a great point, Chris, because if w- WB was basically the acted as like publishing liaison and stuff for Witcher three in the West. And if they had some sort of caretaker like that, this might not have happened. This this might score one for having a publisher where it's like you're not you don't know what it is to be a developer or a publisher. You know what it is to be a developer. You need help. And not everyone can do it. Some some are more successful than others. I imagine, for instance, Bungie wouldn't be as successful as they are if they didn't have a lot of learning from Activision and a lot of learning from Microsoft. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just like this company wouldn't exist if I didn't work at IGN. So anyway, something to consider. Yeah. Chris, let's stay with you, though, for number three. Sure, sure, sure. So I <laughs> I actually forgot this happened, but it brought a, a smile to my face immediately when I when I remembered Anthem 2.0, dead in the water earlier this year in February of 2021, killed, murdered, not even that long after they kind of showed Anthem next. They showed like, I remember they showed like a screenshot of the reworked UI and it looked basically like Destiny and everybody was thinking, what are you doing? (laughs) We already have a George, my guy. And then immediately, like, not even a few months later, bam, dead. Just canceled. They kind of understood. They saw the writing on the wall a little bit too late, in my opinion. They spent way too much time on this thing. But that, I think, was a huge, huge thing, like, in in the gaming ecosystem as a whole. Because this is Bioware. Not even, like, Andromeda Bioware. Like, post-Andromeda Bioware being like, this didn't work this didn't work it's dead sorry like you don't see this a lot uh or at least like i can't remember the last time i saw this happen on on this scale you know this this would be like if destiny 2 stopped you know and like bungie was and under activision and bungie was like yeah it's just not working people just don't like destiny people don't like it whatever we're done this is a crazy thing i I think people don't really view it that way because anthem was never like super successful but this is ea and bioware putting out their next thing their their supposed redemption after mass effect andromeda and i know that that's not exactly the team that worked on it but front facing you know that's bioware and this is supposed to be their break back into goodwill and it just failed so spectacularly that it's hard not to uh Try not to look at this and just kind of wonder what the hell happened. 
to even get to this point, to even like invest as much money as they did after they understood that it was going to fail and then to cancel it anyway. That is crazy. Well, at least at least wiser heads, let's say, prevailed because for sure, the yeah, game was never the game was never going to compete. And it just goes to it just goes to show you, you have to accept what you have and you, you have in Bioware is a is an RPG studio and you can put another studio in Austin and call them something else and pretend they're this or that or the other thing and they work on an MMO and whatever. But I don't know, man. I, I, I agree with you that that was just that Bioware was just destroyed almost. I, I don't understand what it's what I said on Sacred Symbols a couple weeks ago. I don't even understand what the real value of the brand is anymore. Legitimately, I don't I don't. It's not like Naughty Dog where it's just consistently sustained a high level of quality or a bungee or someone like that it is it, it is the antithesis of that in some ways like who who even cares I, I honestly who cares what bioware does next what what why should you be excited it's just a name mm-hmm. at yeah. this point it's name it's as it's like when you go see a band and it like breaking i like the band breaking benjamin i know you used to listen to them too uh chris and you used to or yeah i, I mean I, st- I still listen to when i work out and stuff but it's only none of them are original anymore it's just the singer it's like a kind of a shell of the of it doesn't i know he writes and does all the songwriting and stuff but it doesn't feel the same i wouldn't want to really see them it's not breaking benjamin anymore it's yeah it's something else and bioware feels like this old shell it's like alice in chains without lane staley it's like this isn't alice in chains it, 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 you, you can't do this yeah, it doesn't yeah. work like this it's like green day without the three the three guys you know right it, or it, i would so say weird. like green day when you see them and they have that random second guitarist on stage and i'm like who the hell is that oh that fourth guy right? that's always been with yeah. them <laughs> like the, the rhythm guitarist you know like that like yeah he's yeah. not acknowledged in any or at least from my era so let's say kerplunk through warning or something like that i'm like who the hell is this dude and then you just go see them live and you're like oh there's this other component you don't know so anyway <laughs> yeah I just, I agree with you here. Dustin, do you have anything to add? I just remember before Anthem came out, I might be misremembering, but I swear there was some quote or headline or something where they were emphasizing that Anthem would have Bioware's signature storytelling in the game because oh yeah yeah there was sure. something like that. I can't remember exactly, but... They definitely did promise that, 100%. Yeah. And who... Even when there were people that were playing Anthem, how many people were talking about the story? Which, it's fine. I play tons of games that don't have great stories, but it it comes back to that idea that work with what you have because Bioware is known for these amazing stories in their games, and you had them make a a live service game that literally, not literally, but figuratively, no one remembers the story. No one ever talks about it. No one says, wow, Anthem maybe had some problems, but the story was great. No one ever says that. Yeah, and no one says that. That's what it should have been for Bioware. Yeah. That should have been the the minimum. When but- you're when when a Bioware, if you're Bioware and your gameplay is better than your story and your gameplay is not that good, that's like a massive. That's like a crate. That is a bad situation to be in because that you're you are the story developer like Mass Effect doesn't play well. You know, it doesn't right. play fan- like it plays fine. You know, Mass Effect two and three, like I think, play serviceably. Like they work and they're in ju- they're they don't hurt you to play. You know, it's not cloning Clyde or something. But <laughs> I have a real I have a real <laughs> bone to pick with this fucking game. new Doom. Yeah, I, <laughs> but I don't know, man. Like just those stories were so good, and like and then just to see them drop the ball so heavily on this. The, the one thing I do remember about Mass Effect, not Mass Effect, uh, Anthem story was this baffling cutscene between two characters that had helmets so you couldn't see you know there was no 
performance in there at all. There's no emotion. There's no lip sync. There's no nothing. You can't even judge how good the animation is. And I think it's your character talking to the bad guy, but it's like a hologram of the bad guy. And he's saying some generic, like, Green Goblin, like, join me shit. But your character's response is, get glitched. And you <laughs> and you walk through him, and he dissipates. Wow. If you guys want to look this I gotta up, find this. and I know a lot of people didn't play Anthem, God bless you, because you've, you're a smart person, but... It is truly one of the one of the most confusing cutscenes I think I have ever witnessed in anything. Because I don't know if they thought get glitched was gonna catch on or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. This is why I don't like writing dialogue. I like writing the lore. I don't like like writing the writing dialogue. dialogue is tough. Like every every now every once in a while you'll stumble onto a garamet, you know, like every once in a while you get one of those. It's like, oh cool. But then you have get glitched. Are you watching it, Dustin? I I would, but I don't. I think the sound is set to go through my speaker, so I was. Uh, I didn't want to go it. through my microphone. Definitely, but I have it. I have it ready. I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you guys because it is. You should watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just to get a feel. Just to get a feel for how mishandled this story is, and remembering that it's Bioware handling it. That is what is truly, truly just befuddling about it. But yeah. That happened this year. It it did. Total mismatch. It's it's when you wish a game into existence with the resources that you do not have to execute the game. I don't know why that's so difficult to understand, but it's true. You're not, we're not going to make you're not going to see Naughty Dog make an MMO. If it did, if they did, we should be very scared of it. Yeah. And we should also be af- afraid that that will be the end of Naughty Dog. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll be that'll be the end of that. All right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let me go on to my third one here. I got to give a shout out to this, the fear, the scare in April of 2021 when they announced that, yes, this summer we will be shutting down the PS3 and Vita stores and you will no longer be be able to purchase any games. Now, we knew, first of all, PS3 development is basically just just stopped, but Vita development was going to stop and did end up stopping in the summer. And so that that precludes you from even patching and all that kind of stuff. And we knew that that was going to happen. And they went through with that. So you can't add any games, Vita games or the library as it is, is what it is. But they thankfully on April 19th reversed course and said that they basically made the wrong decision. In fact, he says this is from Jim Ryan in a letter says, quote, upon further reflection, it's clear that we made the wrong decision here, end quote. So. They still down, shut down all PSP commerce. No longer can you buy anything on PlayStation Portable. I think the that's only on the console or the hardware itself. I think in 2016, they basically ceased support of that as well. But they're keeping it online for an indeterminate amount of time. And now that we know about what is being called Spartacus, which I assume will be called something like PlayStation Pass or maybe just PlayStation Plus will just remain the name. Who knows? Maybe we will see the end of the PlayStation Store next year, but it won't be 
so sad as long as we have options to play PS3 games and access the ones that we've already bought, plus have some access to a, a charcuterie board, let's say, of games, of PS3 and PSP games, et cetera. Hopefully we'll get Vita games through, through PSTV functionality in there. I was thinking, by the way, and it's not that I want, I'm not trying to insult Jason Shire. He's a, he's a great journalist and his Spartacus story is interesting. I wonder if there was mention of Vita on there and it just didn't seem useful or PSTV or something, because it, it is weird that it's just missing from this at all. But nonetheless, while we wait on Spartacus, we know for a fact that PS3 and Vita will continue to be operable with games. And it's been very useful for me. I bought Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 digitally on PS3 just earlier this fall because my disc is who the hell knows where my disc versions of those are, both on PS2 and PS3. And then I buy Vita games every once in a while, too. So I'm still using it. And the only thing I wish, guys, is that I was smart enough or that I was canny enough to make a Vita game or had a Vita game published on card that we then didn't release. And then we could have just like held it for several years, like all boxed up. And then in 2025, been like, we're releasing a new Vita game that the trophies are alive. It's all functional, <laughs> but you've never been able to play it until now. That's something that I really wish I did. But um, we just didn't have the time. And that's that sucks, by the way, because we would have loved the time. We had to cancel our own new project on Vita, which we were building on Vita. And we were going to port it away. So it was a big disaster. Nah. Anyway, Dustin, <laughs> what did you think about this whole hit this whole scare and then reversal well that's the actually the big angle that i was thinking of was just the story about the developers behind this sudden change particularly i got a lot of inside scoop from the limo producer ben smith and also last hand producer about sony's lack of communication and organization when it came to this whole ordeal it really gave us the impression that one hand was doing something completely different and no idea what the other was doing at Sony, which we've already kind of had that impression about Sony as a company for a while. And to see this in a much more direct way involving people in our sphere, particularly you guys at Lulimo and Barry, right? Just really unfortunate and disappointing to see Sony disregard developers in that way and just not really show an ounce of consideration the inconsiderate nature too was just the in talk between developers that yeah. bothered me the most some developers knew some developers didn't and then they kind of like held this over being like oh we knew we had the last vita game blah 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 and then they didn't have the last vita game and they look fucking stupid and all it's it just was weird. It felt like people were being pitted against each other and the community, like the dev community that was keeping it going kind of um, was not want to say failing, but just it just didn't seem like it had the same stickiness to it anymore. It was a really shitty way for Vita to go out and very fitting, of course, yeah. <laughs> for the handheld as well. Uh, Chris, you have anything to, to add? No, I, I did. I love that you said like, ah, oh, I wish we had more time because that is like literally just every developer in the world yeah <laughs> yeah of course i mean we 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 yeah, yeah we would have we always need and want more time that is true nothing is ever perfect but if they just gave us a little bit of a heads up oh yeah instead sure. of instead of uh 
sending me a PS Vita dev kit and then shutting it down. That would have been nice. That's never going back to you, Sony. All right. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, who's up? Dustin? It's me. You are my friend. Okay. It's you. This one, I'm trying to decide. Okay, we'll go with this one. The Blue Box Conspiracy. Man, what a ride this has been. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to say what I've said before. So sorry if you've heard me say this. But what I found so interesting about the story of Blue Box Games and Hassan and Kojima, or maybe, maybe not Kojima, whatever, is just that no matter what the outcome is, which we still don't know, though there has been some updates that I'm guessing maybe we'll lightly mention on Sacred Symbols or have. Yeah, didn't the, didn't the app update or something? There's new text on the app that says yeah. that the next thing is coming next year, but they never put that online. They just put it as a, a note on the, their PlayStation Store page or something like that. So regardless of the outcome, whether this is something that it's not, and it's a big surprise, which is looking less and less at this point. In fact, I don't even know if the conspiracy really exists so anymore at this point. So the conspiracy exists. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But the, there's more questions now that if this is something crazy, then they really botched it and made people more annoyed than anything. But regardless, Hassan is this guy who to to quote Kojima or to to make an allusion to Metal Gear Solid 5 he's the man that sold the world and tricked everybody into caring about his project that seemingly shouldn't have any attention but at the same time it has Sony attached to it there's just so many you you can really make the uh the the meme with Charlie and the and yeah, the Pepe background. Sylvia yeah yeah exactly and <laughs> i've just enjoyed following this i've kind of like removed any ounce of of sanity from it it's just i just am enjoying taking it all in at this point and i'm excited to see what happens who knows maybe maybe at this point people are listening to this and we've had some kind of update from the game awards that's what some people have said that there would be some kind of thing there we know that hassan has a relationship with jeff Keeley of some nature mm-hmm. so who knows maybe there's there's info that the audience knows as you listen, that I don't know at the time of recording. Well, I I, I don't know um, if you guys saw this or not, or maybe I, maybe I just misread it. But like, I turned on my PS Five uh, last night to play some Mass Effect, and I saw abandoned on the Discover thing, and it said first chapter Q one of twenty twenty two or something. I really and think that I <laughs> as I like, really do think there's something with this. <sighs> I can't get away from. It. I'm sorry. I just well. We have this letter here from Josh J. Anderson. He says, greetings, kind, sacred symbols, father and sons. It's been a very odd year, just like the last. And nothing sums up how strange this year has been more than the whole abandoned conspiracy. Not to stir the pot again with that, as we all assume it's not Kojima anymore. But can we look back at how strange and chaotic that small moment of the year was? So much, so much of it still doesn't make sense. The confusion and questions will follow me into 2022 and beyond. So much so that when I die and ask God about life's questions or Satan, if masturbation is truly a sin, the Uh-oh. simple words of what the fuck was abandoned will be asked. And he will reply, I don't even fucking know either. And then, interestingly, Satan will begin. I, he, I'm adding this, by the way. Interestingly, Satan will begin masturbating. Oh, with you, yeah, with you now. <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, now, I want to say what I said at the time. 
if you guys might remember. This, regardless of what this is, from the greatest, you know, Zapruder film-like conspiracy to just the <laughs> biggest piece of nonsense, right? It injected a lot of fun into PlayStation coverage at a time when we really needed it, not only because of the world around us and all of that, but because it was looking a little boring and dire for a while. We were like, eh, where are the game? We're still kind of wondering. It's it's so weird because Horizon and God of War and Gran Turismo aren't even here yet, but we're still already like, what's next? At least I am, but yeah, with Horizon, especially soon. So it was exciting to just speculate and be in it. And I know you were having fun streams, Dustin, and a lot of people in the in the industry and in the PlayStation ecosystem, especially we're having a lot of fun with it. And I just refuse to believe that there's nothing with this, that it might not be what we think. It might not be as grandiose as a Kojima reveal or something, but it's just too weird. It's just too weird. I'm sorry. There's nothing like this that exists in PlayStation anywhere. There's nothing. No one has that kind of access. There's a bunch of things that are unexplained. I feel like I'm the guy who's trying to explain that the mafia killed Jack Ruby. I understand that, but I just feel like there's something to this. Yeah. And maybe we'll know by now when you hear this, maybe not, but I wanted to just throw that back out there. Chris, what's your uh, number four selection? Oh, man. I So I... My number four, I think, is the fact that really early in the year, Stadia just sort of stopped out of nowhere and kind of led to this weird kind of situation where Jade Jade Raymond just like left and immediately got hired by Sony. But it's just interesting because Stadia clearly was like a big thing for Google. And Google's not exactly like not known for abandoning things they've they have i don't even know how many projects that there's they've a just website completed. right yeah like, yeah yeah. <laughs> i don't remember what it's called but there's like a ooh, website graveyard or something i'm gonna look. yeah something like that where it just shows all the stuff like google glass google plus yeah, like all of killed by google.com is the website yeah yeah and there's just like all these projects 143 projects but stadia felt unique in the sense that stadia they were like really upfront about stadia they were like Look at what we're doing. This is the next big thing. They, they they really pushed for it in a way that I don't feel like they pushed for Google Plus in a way that they didn't really push for Google Glass. Like Google Glass was like this just concept thing that they just sort of like made videos about, but they never like had like live streams, you know, about it. They they didn't like say, hey, everybody come to the Google Glass live stream. And like they really tried to court the gaming industry with this thing. And I think everybody kind of understood that it was poorly conceived. The idea that anybody would want to pay full price for games that they can't even download is staggeringly inept. Like I could have told them that that was not a wise move, especially when we kind of heard rumblings of, especially because you have PS now that had already existed where you could do kind of both. And then you had Xbox with X cloud kind of coming in where you could download and choose to stream. If you choose, if you chose this is a really poor business decision in general. But the fact that it was like just not even a year really into its life cycle, they were just like, ah, fuck this thing. That just shows you how much money Google has that they can put this much money into something and they can develop physical, like actual proprietary hardware in the form of that controller and just be like, ah, I don't know what we're doing here. So fuck this. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the hell I don't know. First of all, 
There's got to be a documentary cool. about this at some point because, like, I really want to know the ins and outs of like how this thing like came together, how it fell apart. Like this, this has the makings of like a really fan, like a fascinating documentary in a way that Google Glass doesn't. Because like, who was really convinced that everybody was going to walk around with stupid Dragon Ball Z scouters around their eyes that could shatter at any moment? Like, like that was not even remotely, remotely something that I thought was ever going to happen. But Stadia, in a weird way. Like that legacy is being continued by xCloud, by PlayStation Now, by I mean, even Steam has like some way to stream stuff to different pieces of hardware throughout your house. It's very weird because it, it seemed like one of these things that they were right on the idea, but they like fumbled every part of the execution of it so badly that they were forced to resign and just let everybody else reap the benefits of their success. It's very strange. And I'm curious how Google feels about it. I'm curious at the ins and outs of this thing, like how much money was lost. I really want to know. I do too. And they have this like zombie stadia now that seems to be kind of going on and just kind of it's like background radiation. <laughs> and I was just reading their Twitter account just to see they still tweet. and Yeah. Games get updates. And I just don't, I can't imagine the numbers are very good. I also think Chris that, well, I guess, Dustin, I'll throw it over to you. You haven't said anything about it yet, uh, is that this was just predictable. I called Stadia's death. I think I I don't even retweet it because I don't want to be mean, but I I think I tweeted the day it, it was announced. I'm like, this is I'm just telling you right now, this thing's going to fail. Yeah. And I think we all said that when we were like, yeah. I think we talked about it on the show when it was announced and we were like, this thing's not this is, like the idea, the very idea. Like you can't download everything and you have to pay to stream. What doesn't work? It doesn't no. work. Yeah, it, it it's a conflict. Do you feel like we've lost anything here, Dustin? No, I don't feel like we have at all. The The curious thing to me is that there are still a few games that are planned to come out on Stadia. In particular, I'm looking right now at Rainbow Six Extraction, which on their website still says That's Stadia. Genuine. I think I was looking on this at a Stadia fan site a second ago that I found. I wonder how they're doing. Uh, <laughs> it showed like up and coming games and there's maybe five or six titles that are going to come out one of like Jackbox life is strange. So a bunch of older stuff, but you got to imagine that they are actively discussing pulling the plug in 2022. And the question that just comes up in my mind is if people purchased games on that service, what are they going to do for them? I don't think they are, obligated by their terms of service to do anything for them but man that sucks if you bought something for 50 or 60 bucks on stadia and they shut it down you have nothing anymore maybe they'll be nice and provide a steam code for some of these or something but again they don't have to do that but that's the the problem with something like this is that you're not I, it's also the case with PlayStation and Steam. Technically, either one of those could shut down someday and you're left with nothing. But Stadia, the the quick turnaround of yeah. Google's confidence in it is, I think, what's troubling. I agree. My fourth selection is that although announced in 2020 it was finalized and gone into great detail in 2021 was the purchase of zenimax and bethesda uh by microsoft of thus taking them off the board and 
The Rogue wrote in and said, for me, the biggest story for PlayStation this year was the confirmation that future ZeniMax titles will not be on PlayStation. This puts me at an even split between my most anticipated exclusive titles being on Xbox or PlayStation, maybe even a slight advantage Xbox. I think this is a change for many PlayStation gamers. It makes you wonder how gamers behavior will change and how the behavior of PlayStation will change as a result. Perhaps with more PlayStation titles coming to PC, that will be the real winner this gen. Thank you for writing in. So I must say that the reason that I've tried to keep this in our consciousness, maybe to a fault, because I don't really play Bethesda games. And so or at least I don't really like them. You can go look at my trophies and see what I've interacted with and what I not. I mean, it tells the tale. I felt like out of all of the publishers, the big publishers that that could have been bought away from PlayStation, having access to PlayStation, they were the one where I was like, all right, you would have to kind of throw them out first. But I know that to many players, as the rogue noted here, it's a huge deal. And so I've tried to talk about it as much as I can. And I must say that it's not a big deal for me because it's Bethesda going away. I'm going to miss, as I said, Wolfenstein for sure and Doom to a lesser extent. And that's about it. But for a lot of people, they're going to be missing out on Fallout and Elder Scrolls and all and on and on. But what's been interesting is kind of the parsing of words and how difficult it's been for Microsoft and Bethesda to say what they mean. And I don't know why that's been, but it's obvious that that's been a difficult thing for them to do. And they're always parsing words and they're very deliberate and they have fiduciary obligations as a mega corporation traded on public markets, to be honest. And they always are. And they use words very deliberately. They're media trained and they know exactly what to say and not say. So I read into everything that they say intentionally. And this has left all of these doors that they've slowly had open, that they've slowly had to go through and close. We don't really know what it means as far as... um a game has a heritage here. Does that mean Fallout has a heritage here? We, we don't know. Does it mean Elder Scrolls has a heritage? We don't know. Like all these kinds of things. So it's left open this question. But the more interesting thing for me as just an analyst and kind of passive on, on Bethesda games is it's just a sign of the times and it sucks. I don't want the industry to coalesce in on itself as mergers and acquisitions give more and more power to companies that end up squashing and killing the studios and have no idea what they're really doing. We just talked about what EA did with BioWare. BioWare was at one time independent. BioWare was also at one time with Microsoft. So, you know, in their kind of like loose alliance, right? So they don't really, they didn't always have BioWare. It was BioWare under them that kind of killed them. When you look at BioWare's greatest games, they were already in motion by the time EA bought them. So you have every reason to be critical about these things or look what Activision has done to all of these studios. I mean, we're talking about this at the time when Raven at, in Wisconsin is staging a walkout. I mean, mm-hmm. You guys make Warzone. So I just feel like there are scary things happening at the top of the industry in which consolidation is dangerous. And I'll reiterate what I've said many, many times. I don't want PlayStation to buy anyone. Period. If it was up to me, I would have PlayStation just make new teams at this point or just secure teams like the very few teams that they have a second party relationship with that that makes some sense and grow that way. And I certainly don't want them to go and buy a publisher. Everyone's like, they should buy Square Enix or Capcom. And I'm like, to what end? Why? What is the purpose? They're, yeah. they're, they're, th- these These conversations are stupid. And so I wanted to say that I thought that that was a big moment for PlayStation because I think that it was... um. The first time this audience has been back on their heels in a while. And I think a lot of people are lamenting this sale. And I think 
as I expressed in the summertime, this sale to me, Dustin represents the extent that one of the pub, one of the hardware manufacturers can extend their own borders around another entity before it gets any crazier. I think that it's not going to be if they went and said like we're like because there was that whole scuttlebutt with Sega where we know now there's really nothing there, but they were saying like, oh, maybe Sega and Microsoft are getting getting closer and closer. And I'm like, that would not be good, man. And I don't know that people would really tolerate something like that. You know, like yeah. I don't, I think people are kind of delusional if they think that they want Xbox to go around and buy all these companies. I think that's yeah, a little silly. Yeah. And there's also just like, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, I'm sorry. But like I was thinking of, uh, there's also this other, this third kind of, this banshee in the brush in the form of Tencent where like, it's it's one of those weird situations where like I'm not really a big fan of this this consolidation either, but if people are going to be bought, I guess I would prefer it not be to sold to ten cent. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the so it's like this really know. unfortunate situation where it's like ah oh, man, well I don't want consolidation necessarily, but at least it's not ten cent. It's just kind of like making this kind of like negative situation seem positive based on a potential even worse negative that very could easily arise like Tencent has like insane amounts of money yeah definitely what, what were you gonna say Dustin well I was gonna make a joke and you said you don't do you really want Xbox going around I was gonna say well but uh they were able to add more levels to Psychonauts duh of course you want them to be bought I <laughs> saw people great. saying it's that funny. when we were in our our hot water earlier this year that was a great moment too our uh our little <sighs> that was a good moment in the fanboy yeah. wars what happened oh right yeah <laughs> when everyone was just mad at us for <laughs> For nothing. nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I that's actually kind of the angle that I wanted to bring about uh with this the Bethesda acquisition is that and kind of this year in general, I feel like this this toxic nature around news that's big like this has been really annoying. And Colin, you were talking about the the wishy-washiness of Phil Spencer and Xbox about exclusivity. And that conversation, the way people talked about it was really, really annoying to me in that it's, and I guess this is how it is with any kind of disagreements or viewpoints or whatever, is that people just aren't willing to hear any side other than the one that confirms what they already believe. And so that also applies to, video games unfortunately but i don't know it's it's frustrating to see uh, a a big publisher and colin i'm glad you said also like we don't want to see consolidation whether it's from sony or microsoft or or whoever but it just seems to be the way things are going i mean it happened with film disney owns practically everything I became painfully aware of that today when I went to buy tickets to see The Matrix. And on opening day, there are three showings at my theater. And I looked and it's because all of the rest of them were for Spider-Man and other Disney stuff. And so, which there may be a financial imperative, but apparently Disney does strong arm stuff like that because they can. And so that's the downside is consolidation the bigger companies get, the more they can strong arm things. And sometimes that may be in your favor, but the shoe will be on the other foot in certain instances. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Let's stay with you, Dustin. Let's wrap this up with your fifth pick. So my fifth pick is very personal. It's not the number one story of the year, but it was very exciting for me 
And that was the re-reveal of Elden Ring uh, during Jeff Keighley's opening night live this summer. This was so exciting just in that we had the reveal, I believe, at the Microsoft press conference in 2019. And this was very, very exciting. I was lucky enough to to be there when it was revealed. Of course, George R. R. Martin being tied to the project is very intriguing. And of course, they're following up Sekiro, which is just an absolute phenomenal game. The issue that came up, or I guess the conflict, whatever you want to call it, is that the game went dark for a good while. In fact, I guess that would make it two years if it was summer 2019 and then it reemerged in summer of 2021. And what's funny is that I remember before this game got re-revealed, there was this air from certain people that this game didn't exist. This game's having problems. Is Elden Ring even real? And I always thought that seemed silly because they announced the game a global pandemic happened and instead of drip feeding stuff or showing stuff that wasn't quite ready to be shown in order to keep interest, they just went silent. I think that they maybe updated a couple times on Twitter saying we're working on Elden Ring. So it's not been canceled or anything like that. And the re-reveal was spectacular. It showed just enough to give everybody an impression of what the game is about how awesome the world looks. And it also included a release date when they re-revealed it. That wasn't that far away as far as it wasn't a vague window or multiple years or whatever. At the time it was January. So it was, it wasn't like holiday or something, right? Which it did end up getting delayed a little bit, but that's okay. Right. And so To see From Software back in action, one of my absolute favorite teams, and the game looks extremely promising, the reveal going over so well, and to see so many people interested is just very exciting for me. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add, Chris? This is actually one of those games where I have very little to say, not of any disrespect to it, but just because I just know it's not for me. We're really going to lean on Dustin for this one. but Yeah, I, I think I think I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, the re-reveal was impressive. I thought the art direction was really top and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't I haven't like delved super deeply into it. I didn't play in the tech test. Um, I figure these games either grab me or they don't. Sekiro grabbed me. Uh, you know, Dark Souls hasn't. Demon Souls grabbed me a little bit. I, I think this is going to be an exciting one for me personally, because I think It'll give me that freedom, I think, that I feel like I feel a little bit restricted in a lot of Souls games. And I feel like this is kind of remedying that feeling for me while also still remaining true to what it is. It doesn't look like it's trying to appeal to like an open world crowd by like making it simpler or like doing things in a, in a distinctly different way just to appease like a very specific you know, uh, community. It looks like it's taking a formula that already exists and kind of elevating it with this freeform style of combat, this freeform style of exploration. I'm, I'm totally down for that. I think like if, if Sekiro was a game that I could just go anywhere, I think I would have absolutely just lost myself in that game because I just, just moving around and playing, especially with that hook, man. Oh, like it would have been so satisfying <laughs> to move around in that world. And, and knowing that 
this game is kind of going for that, albeit not in the same aesthetic. I think it's I think it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm actually like really excited about Elden Ring in a way that I I didn't really anticipate being because I just didn't anticipate that they would take so much from their previous games. You know, I, I really did think it was going to be open world Dark Souls. I didn't think there would be a, a jump button like Sekiro. I didn't think there would be the, like a steed that you could mount that you could hop over mountains with, you know, like that's cool shit. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's exciting. All right, Chris, let's stick with you for your fifth and final. Yeah, so this is, uh, I think, following kind of the same thing that Dustin, kind of the same reasoning that Dustin had for for his. This is just something that was like really exciting for me and not even really related to PlayStation at all. But the fact that Halo Infinite's multiplayer just shadow dropped by surprise on the 20th anniversary was something that was really special, really cool, and I thought was a bit of a power move on their part, especially in the wake of the lackluster reception to Call of Duty Vanguard and the sad state of you know battlefield 2042 i think i think it was just all around a good idea and something that i really wasn't expecting i I was texting dustin i was like this isn't gonna happen yeah (laughs) i was like there's no way this is true like that's ridiculous like when has this when has this ever happened before never so like why would it happen all of a sudden i I remember I, i think i told you specifically it's like the universe wouldn't be that kind to me (laughs) where they would just shadow drop one of my favorite things and and they did and it was and it turned out great and people are stoked on it and it's it's more of a boon for microsoft really but i mean this is this was just a crazy crazy moment this would be like if if they just shadow dropped god of war you know like way ahead of maybe not way ahead but like ahead of the release date enough to be like wow that's kind of cool that doesn't really happen in the triple a space you know, like you don't really get early releases in this way unless you're talking about like, you know, uh, you know, EA play where you get it like a week early and you have to pay for it. This was just straight up free, you know, and it's only the multiplayer. But still, that's like a I don't know. That was like a really crazy moment that I was not anticipating. I did not expect. I was actually a little bit annoyed because I had plans. <laughs> <laughs> I got completely disrupted and I was like, ah, sorry, I I can't I can't go to this thing that I I. uh I was supposed to go to but you know that was a, a pretty big moment i think just in general in, in the uh in the gaming space especially on you know pc i think pretty big deal well i'll say i agree with something you had mentioned earlier which was and the relevance to playstation can't be overstated is it is a power move and this is a microsoft this is the last kind of flourish of a microsoft this year with halo and the release on game pass uh, with the single player campaign, which will have happened by the time this goes live, that this was the first time, I think, since Sony started turning it on. I mean, I think PlayStation's fortune started turning again in 2009, 2010. I think the seeds started kind of being set. I think yeah, for sure. in 2013 is when it really came to fruition, 2014, 2015. And my, I think Sony has been in the driver's seat on on. Worried, not even worried at all about Microsoft and unconcerned probably even about Nintendo because they're just dealing in different spheres now. And I think this is the first year where they didn't look very strong. Now, it's all relative because yeah, for PlayStation sure. 5 seems to be outselling Xbox Series X 2 to 1. So there's that. But I still think that what we're seeing out of Microsoft is quality, consistency, and a new way of looking at the competing product Dustin that I feel like 
Sony hasn't really had a look at for a while. If Spartacus is any indication, this is this draws back to the Sony that used to take ideas from Microsoft, like achievements, for instance, and make them their own. And we might be in another situation like that. Right. I feel like the shadow drop of this really one of the biggest impacts it is having currently probably is in relation to people's holiday shopping. They put out the multiplayer, put out a bunch of buzz, and there are probably tons of kids that either their friend has an Xbox or whatever that then it's, you know, there's something that they want to be a part of now. It's more than the promise of Halo Infinite for Christmas on December. Actually, it's, it's already happened. The campaign's out now for the listeners. It's more than the promise of that game but the fact that it's actively going on and is really good. And so a lot of parents or significant others, whatever, may then be thinking to, it's time to get an Xbox or PlayStation 5 owners that have been left cold by their multi-platform options with Battlefield and Call of Duty this year not being good. If you are into multiplayer shooters, and you only have a PlayStation 5, you are sitting kind of cold this year, uh, especially if those two games did not appeal to you. And so, yeah, maybe a, a $300 Xbox Series S is looking pretty appealing right now because there's a game that's pretty damn good on it that you can only get there. So it's definitely it's a power move on on multiple levels for sure. And one that I think has been very effective i mean we'll have to wait and see for well i guess we won't get sales numbers on consoles from from sony or from microsoft but yeah it'll i feel like right now ever since the the game dropped that has been a major force in the the mind share what people are talking about and playing has been halo and as the time of recording the the campaign isn't even out yet and it seems mm -hmm. to be just absolutely dominating indeed I will be keeping a very close eye on Microsoft, obviously, next year and into the future, not only from a game's point of view, but from a services point of view, where I just really think that they're leading. And like I said, it's not a place Sony wants to go. It's a place that Sony is going to go. And those are two very different things. Yeah. My final point is not one we really need to bat around too much because so much of it is uncertain and also quite serious. But I just wanted to talk about the what I would look at is the beginning of this fracturing of Activision Blizzard. I'm not entirely sure the company even survives, not literally all the entities will survive massive success for all the brands, but rather will they start dividing some of these things up? Are they going to change the name eventually if this gets stupid and bad enough? Uh, Activision, remember, did change their name once in the 80s. Yeah, they might do that again. So I'm, I'm kind of watching this, but. Josh wrote in and said, hey, guys, everyone is going to be posting positive highlights about this year, but I want to go to the opposite direction. Well, this is sacred symbols, Josh. Which publisher lost the most goodwill this year? Ubisoft and Activision seem like obvious choices. Take two, release the GTA remasters, etc. EA botched Battlefield 2042. I think that no doubt Activision is the biggest loser. And, it's, and in a way, it really it's like to Ubisoft's benefit because a lot of really troubling things are happening at Ubisoft. But I feel like we as an industry only have so much bandwidth for serious matters and Activision seems to be just sucking up all of that Activision it's easy to be mad at Bobby Kotick it's easy to be mad at the Call of Duty developers it's easy it's kind of just we we 
trend towards that. So there's no doubt that Activision is the biggest loser this year. And mm-hmm. I really feel like we're witnessing the beginning of a new era in which Activision isn't what it once was in terms of its structure. Whether or not it affects game sales remains to be seen because I don't know how many of its players even care or are invested in the behind the scenes machinations. That's kind of the advantage of being an Activision as opposed to being a studio that's going to suffer much greater repercussions for your politics, like six days in Fallujah. Like Victoria can't withstand that. If, if Call of Duty did a Afghanistan or an Iraq war game, it would be tough, but they'd get away with it and they could get away with it. But we see kind of signs. They're really botching Diablo 4, it seems like right now behind the scenes. It's getting delayed and pushed. Overwatch 2 is unnecessary and, and fucking up that ecosystem. And of course, Call of Duty seems to be having the softest sales in more than a decade. So the signs are out there. And I want people to just consider them as we move into 2022, that the era of Activision Blizzard's total domination, I think it's coming to an end and may. It may be signaled most in labor. I mean, it's going to be old news by the time you guys hear this, and we'll talk about it on the other show, but. The very fact that Raven just staged a walkout is, I mean, what, what are you going to do? They, what are you going to do if you're mm-hmm. Activision? What do you do? You, are, you, have a, you have a complete employee revolt on your hands. They work on Warzone. You know, they, they are all over Call of Duty Mobile and other places, too. They have their hands in the AAA products. They're doing it for their QA by the way, they're not even doing it for themselves. They're doing it because their QA people are getting fired. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This First of all, you don't see this shit happening at Sony Studios or Microsoft Studios or no, you know, Focus Home Interactive or Embracer or whatever. So something stinks at Activision and uh, we're going to get to the bottom of it. But by the way, I want to note. It'll probably have already gone live by the time you hear this, but I'm having Rick Hogue on and you can go listen to it. I'm, I'm pointing you that we're going to talk about the sexual deviant allegations against the PlayStation Network guy with the the Predator video. We're going to talk about Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about what's going on with Ubisoft. We're going to talk about what's going on with Activision. Uh, we're going to talk about all these legal issues. And and so we'll get to the bottom of it. I, I feel like it's these are topics for a more serious venue than for show. sure. All right, guys, before we go, I wanted to just acknowledge five more inquiries from the audience. They're not really inquiries. They're just moments that we didn't bring up that I still think are worth discussing briefly. Travis Thompson says, what I'll remember most this year in gaming is Lady D turning everyone on. That's all I got. I, I got to <laughs> say that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a big part of this year was Resident Evil Village. Uh, Chris, what do you think about Lady D's resonance i think we were all a little surprised how little she's in the actual game <laughs> yeah yeah it, it seems to me like they, they didn't know what they had when they were making the making the game because like she's very clearly like the most interesting like in my opinion still to this like like even beyond just like uh it's a hot person whatever just like genuinely like as a, as a character like the most fascinating character in that game like i didn't care about the fish really i didn't care about heisenberg was like really annoying and yeah I, I, it feels like they just didn't know what they had really and and they understood it when the marketing happened but by that point the game's already done so you can't like what are you gonna really do at at that point i think they were wise to focus marketing on her i think it was really really cool i i really loved that game really like i had a i think back fondly on that on that game and i actually made (laughs) it my most popular video this year was just a clip 
of me talking about tall women. And it's like an excerpt from that, from a, from a Lady D video I did. It has 3 million views, out, outdid everything on my channel. And it's some random person clipped it and uploaded it. I'm not bad, mad, by the way, if you're the person who uploaded it. I think it's cool. The comments are like really funny because it's just a bunch of tall women being like, oh, this makes me feel nice. So it's like really cool. That I don't know. pleases you. Yeah, it was just like, nah, I don't know. It's cool to make people feel good, you know, I guess. You know, especially yeah. if I'm not really planning on it, you know. But that was a big deal. I think that was, uh, she's definitely going to be remembered for a very, very long time in as just like a, an iconic video game character, I think. Do you have anything to add, Dustin? Yeah, a lot of people went horny on main for this one. And mm-hmm. no disrespect. Good, good for you guys. Uh, God bless you. I, God bless I, couldn't get by, I couldn't get beyond like, what did she smell like? It was like, ugh. Oh, yeah. You know, she like, had to have been stank for sure. I mean, so, surely she wears perfume. I guess, but it's just, it just smells like just smells like wrecked butthole and yeah. perfume. <laughs> I'll say that uh, <laughs> Resident Evil was Gross. was great. I mean, it's funny because Chris and I pretty much have the same thought in that it was like really good. I enjoyed a lot of aspects yeah, of it. Yeah. It was like a nice meal. But yeah, now at I the agree. end of the year, I'm not really thinking about it I, it kind of just came and went for me it's it's not it's not any kind of disrespect to the game it's i recommend it to people but just kind of some of those games come and go they can be good yeah. you play them and then you move on i think hitman is fantastic and that's one of those games that just sort of fell out of my head for a little bit just because yeah. you know it's maybe that's probably like a recency bias thing but i mean you know i i, I think I think House Beneviento is one that's still, I think, about still sometimes because that was just such a well-orchestrated piece of horror content that I haven't seen in a video game in a long time. But yeah, I think we both would recommend Resi 8. Resi 8. Joey Gondolager wrote in and said, hey, CD. Oh, you tricked me a little bit there. He's no doubt right here, boys. He says, to me, one of the biggest stories of the year has to be the NVIDIA GeForce leak. Month after month, the leak continues to be more and more accurate to the point where the games that appeared on it seem to be 100% real. It's now to the point where we have a decent outlook at the next two to four years of this upcoming generation and what's coming down the pipeline from Sony, Microsoft, Square Enix, Take-Two, Capcom, Sega, Ubisoft, Activision, WB Games, and THQ Nordic. This will undoubtedly go down as the biggest leak in gaming history once all is said and done. And the fact that this info was so easily accessible will be talked about for all this generation. To me, this makes it one of the most interesting stories of the year outside of the ongoing Activision scandal. I totally agree, Joey. Yeah. And in fact, I wrote my list out and I just wrote mine off the top of my head and then everyone else put theirs in the document as well. Then I put the stuff in here and I was reading everyone else's. and I was like, God damn, I I forgot about that. But I didn't want to copy you. Yeah, uh, Joey. So I appreciate you throwing that out there because that was one I totally forgot. I agree. I don't know what more there is really to be said about this other than the fact that it is real and it's going to end up, like you said, being this massive leak. I, I feel like it's almost like the Pentagon Papers or something. It's, it's going to be this <laughs> thing that's going to be referenced for years and years no as things as things leak out. And it is crazy. I don't know. I wonder who paid the price for this thing. And yeah, I would love to know what the different reactions of the publishers are, because what are you supposed to even do? These games are so specific that they're definitely not made up. and we've i think three or four or five of them now have already come out or, or are real so mm-hmm. there's no doubt that you can expect hell divers too you know kingdom hearts in the 4 future. who the hell knows what you say kingdom, kingdom hearts, hearts 4 the suffering never ends colon the suffering never ends covering the soul colon the suffering slash never ends would be more 365 over two i i'm really hoping that that destroy humans 3 is real 
because it's in that list. I'm sure but it there, is. But there is no Destroy Humans 3, so. Well, that there is no a lot of things on that list. So Yeah, I know. But, but And yet there is Chrono Cross, by the way, which we'll probably know about by this point. This Goes Live was one of those games, too. All right. This one's for you, Dustin. Straw Hat Ninja wrote in and said, Greetings, gentlemen. For me, the biggest thing this year was the Falcom event, announcing four Trails games coming to PlayStation and elsewhere in the near future. This is significant because we didn't think those two games would ever come to the West. I wanted to just bring up Falcom because I feel like they're a company that, first of all, I like how lean they are. They, you know, they're really relationship with Xseed and everything. They're not getting ahead of themselves. I think a more eager company would have been rapidly translating old trails of the sky games and just doing whatever, you know, all this kind of shit. And I think they've been very patient, very similar to what Sega does, I think, with Yakuza, which is cool. And um, but I wanted to throw this over to you because I feel like we're kind of in this renaissance of Japanese games where there's a few good JRPG franchises that are starting to secure themselves. Tales has been around for 25 years, but I think it's finally getting a lot of respect. And Trails has been around and it's related Noseki, whatever the fuck games they're called for 20 years. But this is another series that has established itself. I'm just curious what you think about Falcom kind of committing after um, the success over the last five years or so they've seen. Yeah, they clearly have something going on with Trails and that there's just seemingly more and more fans. And I have to Thanks, Straw Hat Ninja. He mentioned trails without having to go over the entire chronological order of them, which is usually the case when people either write in or comment that they just they, they got to explain, <laughs> you know, there's trails in the sky. Then there's trails of cold. I, I don't care. Yeah. Then I there's don't. trails in the sky with diamonds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's cool. And I think that we're starting to just see, I don't know, Colin, you've you've been a, a JRPG fan for much longer than me, just from you were playing them during the PS1 era, kind of during their Western rise. But I feel like the, the era is somewhat different now that we're starting to see some of these niche JRPG games become popular and mainstream, specifically right now, the SMT five right yeah it's the fifth one is is yep. doing very well it's most and likely PS4 rumored ps4 yep. rumored right and obviously persona has just completely been a, a huge title here in the west but a lot of people well people should know this maybe some people don't but that's a persona is a spinoff originally of shimagami tensei so and that series was never huge here obviously it's had it had its fans but now we're starting to definitely see it become somewhat in that mainstream space and you mentioned tales as well it just feels like uh kind of a new era especially after kind of its downfall in in the the late like the ps3 generation early ps4 to kind of see these games i guess to see them resurge in the ps4 generation has been great yeah david and i often talk on knockback about this this reciprocal effect that anime and video games have on each other, wherein I think that in the West games like Final Fantasy two and three, four and six, as we knew them, the Dragon Warrior games, others slowly eroded away people's resistance to anime. And then Dragon Ball came to Cartoon Network in 1995 or whatever it was. And 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 these and then they realize, oh, that looks like the guys from Dragon Quest. And now I'm watching Dragon Ball. And then suddenly I'm watching, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, you're watching One Punch Man or something. And now now you're interested in this aesthetic and then you look backwards and you're like, oh, there's these good games you're like Tales and Scarlet Nexus and all of that. I think that these two things are intertwined intimately. And so with one goes the other. And I feel like mm -hmm. we're in a good place. 
right now with JRPGs. I wrote a little, I wrote a little refrain here for you, Chris. Though it says, "Picture yourself in a battle with an ogre. He has a huge axe to cut off your head." So I just I wrote that. Wrote that down for you. I, thought, I honestly, I thought John down. Lennon was here in the chat for a second. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, thought, uh, I gotta watch that documentary. I heard it was. Uh, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it eight hours. I've heard. I've heard good things. It's eight hours long. There are three right. parts, and I think that in total, oh, so it's, it's like about a, eight or nine hours. Oh, that's it's interesting. Worth it. If you like yeah, the Beatles, I, I thought, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't. I, I'm interested in them. I guess. Mm. Yeah. You know? mm. Are you being facetious? What? You're interested in the Beatles? Or are you? I, I'm more interested in the Beatles than I am a fan of the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't sit fair. and, like, listen to the Beatles. Oh, like, there are some oh. songs. There are some songs that I listen to, but, like, it's very, you know. Their last four, actually, Let It Be, I don't really care about, but, like, Sgt. Pepper, Magical Mystery Tour, Abbey Road, White Album. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the greatest, right? Chris, you absolutely have to listen to those records. Like, I, I'm I sure know, I've, I, I know I'm you'll sure, love. I have love listened. I have listened to the Beatles. Like, I understand, but like, I don't know. Like, I'm just. Uh, it, it's kind of like if somebody were like, you listen to like 311. You know what I mean? And that's like probably like your style. That's probably most of the music you listen to. I would imagine is like not necessarily 311 style, but like gen- generally like. You're probably like, like a rap, rap rock. Rap rock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's yeah. kind of where I am, too, to the point where, like, I can listen to old Beatles songs and be like, oh, that's a good song. But, like, it's not necessarily something I'm going to, like, play on my headphones, like, when I'm just trying to relax or when I'm on, like, a run or something. You I'm know? sitting here writing you new new lyrics to Lucy in the Sky. And <laughs> okay. All right. Two more things before we go. The Assassin AK-47 says, hello, lads. Hope life is treating you well. We can't talk about big things that happen with PlayStation this year without mentioning them finally changing the trophy list back to the vertical instead of horizontal mess they tried to pull on us. Hopefully PlayStation learns that not everything needs to be changed. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, as we all say. Yes, I wanted I, I'm not going to you wrote more. I'm not going to bore everyone with the trophy talk. But uh, although I love talking about trophies, but, you know, I know they don't. So I do want to say that was a big deal. And I'm glad they listened because during the PS3 era, we would have had to go. Do you guys remember that thing where you used to have to go on PlayStation forums and then submit things and then you'd vote on like what the most popular fixes would be? And it was called like, I can't remember what it was called, PlayStation something. And it was just totally ridiculous. And I, I can just picture in my mind that, that something like that would have entered this queue and then just been totally ignored. Like they ignored everything that ever won. It was like yeah. changing your PSN name and all this shit just stayed at the top. They never did anything about it. I, I got to remember what that was. And then finally, Spectre Bull wrote in. He says, greetings, gents. Colin, I got a bone to pick with you. I love you, man. But lately, you've been downplaying 2021 when discussing game releases. Personally, I feel Resident Evil Village, Hitman 3, Forza Horizon 5, and Psychonauts 2 did more than enough to fill in the AAA void. As for indies, we had Cosmos, Quick Stop, Cyber Shadow, Inscription, Splitgate, and Loop Hero. I'm sure there are a ton of other games I'm forgetting. But where I stand, 2021 doesn't seem to have been a bad year as far as you're making it. Well as I hit the backstop, the backspace so hard that I think I have to hit the F11 button now. Okay, there we go. I must say, this will be in the eye of the beholder. What we're going to do next is 2020, or 2022 coming up, 12 months. I wanted to wait to record that because we haven't seen the VGAs yet, and I think there's going to be some stuff in there. Then, like I said, we're going to do a regular episode in January, so no missed episodes, regular episode in January, and then Spectre Bull, we're going to be back with that game of the year 2021 conversation, and we'll see. I mean, we will see how good this year was. 
I'm going to be spending the next month of my life after we're kind of wrapping up here at last stand, getting everything in the can. I'm going to be spending my time writing the new game for Lilimo and playing what I've missed as much as I can. So, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, all these games are on my list. Yeah, but I am feeling confident that at the triple A level, we are not in an impressive space right now. And that's okay. I agree with you, but we'll see. I feel like this is a very 2014 year, but boys, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Chris, you have any closing comments? No, man, I'm just, uh, I'm so hungry. I am. This is one of those moments. We're back to, we're back to, we're back to, because like before you, we, we had, we were going to do the show today. And then like, I woke up and I was like, feels later than it normally is. (laughs) And then I looked at my phone. I was like, oh shit. We have to record in like a little bit. Like I woke up like I think like ten minutes before like we started recording because my alarm just didn't go off, which is infuriating, by the way. And so I just didn't eat. I didn't have any. I had my water for breakfast, and I'm about to go inhale like a calzone or something. I'm cool, feeling man. Like Sony. That sounds today. good. I love calzones. Dustin, closing comments. Just two two things. First of all, Chris, by this time in the future, you'll have completed the next entry in Halo. So that's right. That's very exciting coming up. Crazy. Yes, that's already here. The other thing is just uh, with this being our episode that's releasing on Christmas Eve, just hopefully everyone has a, a great holiday, holidays, whatever, whether it's Christmas or I guess Hanukkah would be over, right? Yeah, Hanukkah's over. Hanukkah, yeah. Is Hanukkah over? On, I don't know when that happens, but Hanukkah's over now. It's over now. Well, hopefully you had a good Hanukkah and uh, next week. We'll be doing a New Year's Eve episode, technically. So we're landing on on two holidays, but just uh, enjoy your time. Hopefully you've got a a new PlayStation or an Xbox or a Switch or whatever. Hopefully uh, all your gaming dreams come true. Yeah, Hanukkah's over by the time this will go live. Ooh. Long over by the time this goes live. The evening of December 6th. So, ah. all right, my friends, appreciate you. I mimic course, what course. Dustin said. Uh, Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll see you next time for a video looking forward. Then we'll be back for a regular episode. Then we'll be back for Game of the Year and all the rest. No missed episodes over on Patreon or anywhere else. Remember to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash laststandmedia. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is proudly recorded in the USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is directed by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-hosts are Chris Raygun Maldonado and Dustin Furman. The show is produced by executive producer Dustin Furman. It's edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by my best friend, Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we're grateful for your thoughtful and kind contributions to our independent endeavor. Thank you. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Jorge Palmino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dave Cowell, Tom Quinn, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Joshua Rids, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, Jordan Mittman, J. A. Zhu, Tristan Palacio, Strew Mullen, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hallen Rui, Tyler Watkins, 
Michael Buffel, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukem, Jim Bob 56, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H Tron, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Derek O, Zach Allum, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Damon W., Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Carlos Algorit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, James Kinslow III, Will Caldwell, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gontholiger, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Edwin Castillo, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.